0: Hello, Chris. Hello, Veronique. Happy that you are joining us on this new episode of our podcast, Obey Talks. To introduce you to our audience, you are Chris Wilmers, Bob Wilmers' son. Your father bought Obey in 1998, and you became immediately a board member, and you always had a great interest for Obey. Since your father passed away in 2017, you became the chairman of the board, and you have been ever since even more implicated in the destiny of the estate. Can you tell us about the relationship between you, your family, and Obay?
1: Yeah, so for me, Obaïe has always been synonymous with family. It's uh, It's been a place that we would all get together uh, with my dad and Elizabeth and uh, my brothers and sisters. Uh, I remember fondly going for long walks in the vines with, with my father when he was alive. And, you know, now it's a, a place that I always associate with seeing family. If we're not here, often we drink obai when we get together as a family. So for me, it's always been uh, very closely tied to to the family.
0: That's nice. (laughs) You have been interested in environmental issues for a long time. When did this interest come from? How did you get involved?
1: Well, as a kid, I spent a lot of time growing up in, in the woods and fishing, turning over rocks and looking for salamanders. Um, building forts and so when i was a kid all i ever wanted to do was sort of be in the woods be out in nature and so as i grew up uh, those were the interests that kept following me and uh, it was very natural to to then become an ecologist
0: and can you explain what does ecology means to you
1: yeah, so I see ecology as the study of the distribution and abundance of organisms. So what does that mean? It means trying to understand why different species occur where they do and not where they and, and why they don't occur in other places. And you know, this can be for lots of different reasons. It can be because of physiological tolerances. So some species might live somewhere because it's the perfect temperature, but they might not live somewhere else because it's too hot or too cold or too rainy or too dry. Um, But there can be behavioral reasons why species uh, don't live in certain places. There can also be other species making it easier or more difficult for them to live where they do. So it's really trying to understand all of these interrelationships between species and the environment and that untangling that web of interactions is really what ecologists do. You know, to bring it back to... Uh, the vineyard and to winemaking, you know, we have this ecosystem in the vines. It's it's part naturally influenced, it's part man influenced, but you have all these intricate ecological interactions between the grapes and the plant and the microorganisms and the soil and the the temperature, the amount of precipitation. And so it's it's very natural to uh, think about the process of of growing grapes as an ecologist.
0: You work a lot on wildlife conservation and climate change. How are these studies useful to you in obey
1: Well, I think one of the great challenges for Ovai in the next you know twenty to fifty years will be climate change, right? And so how do we adapt as a as a vineyard, uh, winemakers, to what is you know this ever steady procession of of increasing temperatures and changing precipitation patterns, and so you know it helps to understand the science behind climate change if we're going to be making uh, or adapting the way we do things in the vines to
0: to to
1: be ready for that.
0: Interesting. <laughs> I remember very well your analysis during one of our visits to Napa Valley. You took the measure of everything in one look. It was brilliant. Can you can can you remind me?
1: Yeah, so um I think what Napa has been able to accomplish with wine is is really incredible. You know, they've um, in a relatively short time compared to Bordeaux, where we've been making wine for hundreds or even thousands of years. And in 50 years, they've they've become one of the leaders in the wine industry. Uh, but I think also they've been a bit of victim of their own success. And so um, there hasn't always been uh, enough consideration for the natural environment there. Um, one of the, one of the things we have to be careful of as winemakers is that, uh, Considering the natural environments that we live, uh, winemaking is the uh, the fastest growing um, reason for the loss of natural Mediterranean ecosystems. And so, uh, Napa has gotten that under control now. So it's it's very hard, for instance, to you know uh, plow down uh, native California oaks to plant vines now uh, so they've gotten control over it over the last few years but until then there was, uh, there was a bit too much destruction of the natural environment um, also because they've been so successful uh, especially with promoting visitation to the vineyards um, you know it's become uh, uh, a bit of a nightmare from a traffic perspective you know there's a constant traffic jam going through all the roads around there um, so, you know, they, they've done a wonderful job, but they've also been a bit of a victim of their own success.
0: Do you think we will have the same evolution here in Bordeaux?
1: Well, I certainly hope not. <laughs> um, I think Bordeaux is on a different trajectory, right? Um, uh, we've been doing things here for, at Obaï for at least 500 years, uh, in the region for maybe even longer um, Things, of course, will change over time, but uh, I think we'll always be different than the U.S.
0: Mm-hmm. And what is your vision for viticulture today?
1: Wow. Um, well, I think I think that's a great question. One of the things that one of the trends that we're seeing quite a bit of now is a, a, a much deeper concern for the environment among viticulturalists, and so I think. Um, that's great to see, and I think if that can become sort of a permanent aspect of viticulture, and we can follow the science on, you know, what does ecology suggest, or the science of ecology and conservation, uh, what kind of visions and tools does it give us to better manage vineyards so that it um, uh, promotes biodiversity rather than destroys biodiversity or um, is better for human health. Uh, You know, these are, I think, some of the trends that would be nice to see continue and and also have it be based on, you know, what we know from a scientific perspective is helpful. Mm
0: -hmm. And what will be the challenges of tumorous viticulture?
1: Well, I think you know we touched on it a little bit earlier, but I think climate change is really the big, big challenge, and um, so we're going to have to, you know, adapt the way we do things in in Bordeaux. That means uh, potentially changing grape varieties over time. Uh, it, it might involve different kinds of vine management. Um, uh, I think one of the things that we've try to accomplish in our new Shea here at Obai is to have as low a carbon intensity as possible. So with the structure has this living roof, it's largely below ground, um, it consumes very little energy. And so I think that's something we all need to be thinking about, regardless of what business you're in, whether it's making wine or manufacturing cars or whatever, we have to think about, you know, how can we uh, minimize the carbon intensity of our products. Um, of course, that's important for you know mitigating or minimizing our impacts on the climate.
0: What do you think the impacts of climate change will be on our vineyards and wines in 10, 20 or 30 years? Well,
1: it's interesting. If you look back at the last 20 or 30 years, um, climate change has been been great for Bordeaux and particularly for Red Bordeaux. Uh, You know, in the 1970s, more than half of the Bordeaux wine production was white wine. Um, And that's switched much more towards red wine because, you know, the red wines have been advantaged by the warmer climate. And so I think you'll continue to see an evolution over the next 20 or 30 years You'll probably see more dominance of later ripening varietals like Cabernet Sauvignon in the blends.
0: Um, and they definitely ripe better. The, the Petit Verdot and the Cabernet Sauvignon will ripe better, so it's, a, it's an advantage for us. It's an opportunity.
1: Yeah. I mean, at Obahie, I think we will only it, it will only improve our wines, at least for the next 50 years. Um, <laughs> Whether it continues after that will be up to our kids to figure out. (laughs) But uh, I'm actually, you know, quite optimistic about the impacts of climate change on the 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 wine from the rest of my lifetime. Mm.
0: And what can be done to adapt and counteract the effects of climate change on vines and wine?
1: Well, like I said, I think it's it's about um, choosing the right. Uh, varieties and, and rootstocks for the soils that you have. Um, it's, the the winemaking process itself can adapt. So, for instance, if, if the temperatures are warmer when you're picking grapes, you can uh, cool them before, uh, before you make your wine. Um, there's lots of things that we can do from a technological standpoint, in addition to things that we can do in the fields uh, to make a continue to make a great wine.
0: Absolutely. How is the environmental issue an essential part of the new winery project? Can you tell us a little more about the environmental qualities of our new winery?
1: Yeah, so um, the new winery is very exciting. I mean, not only does it... Uh, uh, look amazing and have you know incredible uh, technological advances as far as wine making but it's its environmental impact is both um, benign on the one hand uh, in terms of uh, an, uh, from an energy use standpoint and positive on the other from the standpoint of you know promoting biodiversity so you know essentially what we've taken was you know, Part of our um, back lawn and we've turned it into both a winemaking facility and this incredibly biodiverse uh, you know living garden so if you walk around there now there's there's different uh, plants flowering each month of the year there's uh, all kinds of insects from bees to butterflies there's birds coming and and feeding on all the seeds and Uh, Berries from the trees. So, uh, you know, we've really um, added something as far as uh, habitat is concerned for the vineyard. And then, you know, you move inside, and um, even though you have this living roof, there's skylights providing natural light. So uh, we don't have to depend so much on electricity to light the place. It's built uh, 10 to 20 meters into the ground. And so you get the natural cooling effects from, from being so deep. Uh, so we use very little energy to actually moderate the temperature. Um, we use uh, gravity instead of pumps to uh, uh, bring the grapes to our, our vats. And so you really have this sort of minimal impact on the environment. You have this beneficial impact from, from the living roof um, you know, I'm quite proud of the fact that we got a uh, HQE standard or certification for the building. That stands for high, envirom- high environmental quality, and in the, the U.S., this would be sort of equivalent to the uh, the top LEED certified standard you could get.
0: So you like the new cellar? I love it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what will be the future steps for Obey in regard of ecology?
1: Well, I think there's there's always things you can continue to do, and um, whether that's on the the business and tourism side, or the winemaking side, or the the vineyard management aspects. So we're we're constantly thinking of things. So, for instance, as we develop the the tourism component of our of our vineyard, we're thinking of how do you do that in a green way. So uh, instead of single people coming and Gas-powered cars, you know, we're thinking of electric bike programs to get people here. Um, In the vineyard, we've thought about um, strategically putting up bird boxes that would provide habitat for birds and also some pest reduction capacity for the the grapes. Uh, So there's always little things that we're tinkering with like that.
0: Which brings to big things. (laughs) Which brings to big things. Yes. If you could have a wish for the French wine industry in terms of the environment, what would it be?
1: Well, I'm very proud of all the things that we've been doing at Obaï so far. Uh, I think we've made great progress from the envir- and the environmental standpoint. I, I think there's always a lot of room to continue to grow. And I'm also very encouraged that the industry in general in here in France is, is paying more and more attention to the environment. And so... I think you're going to hear more and more great things about uh, vineyards in Bordeaux and and, uh, environmental progress.
0: That's for sure. (laughs) Well, thank you, Chris, for chatting with us today. It was very interesting. This discussion gives us food for thought, and we can see things are evolving in viticulture in Bordeaux, and it's great to see we are all going in the same direction. Thank you very much for your time.
1: Thank you.